Hallelujah. There we go. There we go. John chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. I'm going to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your name, Lord. We thank you that we have hearts and desires to follow you and to seek you. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us everything that we need for godliness. And Lord, we thank you that even according to your will, you're going to give our hearts, let our hearts be good ground, that your word may be planted deep within our hearts and bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Lord, we know you're able to grace us not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers for your glory. Hallelujah. John chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. There's a scripture that tells us in another place that offenses will come. Offenses come because there's conflict at times within the home. Offenses come on the job sometimes with our co-workers. We don't see eye to eye with them. Offenses sometimes come as we're just going through our life, mind our own business. Sometimes we've been offended. Sometimes we're the offender. Would you believe that sometimes God offends us? God is so holy and God is so righteous. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't allow God to offend us and we rebel against his word. But looking here in John chapter 16, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Jesus knows what they're about to face. Jesus knows that as he's leaving them to be wounded for our transgressions, to be bruised for our iniquities, the chest of our peace is going to be upon them. And we're going to be healed by his stripes. And this healing is a, not a physical healing, but a spiritual healing with God. But he knows that in the midst of all this, an opportunity is going to come for them to be offended. He knows that even after he dies and he's buried for three days and he rises up and the Holy Spirit is given, offenses will still come. Because he's explaining to us that the world hates us. We're going totally contradicting contradicted to the the system of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We don't think like the world thinks. We don't speak like the world think, speaks because we have been regenerated. As followers of Christ, we're learning to deny ourselves. The world is about self-exploration. As followers of Christ, we're learning to take up our cross. The world is all about pleasure. As followers of Christ, we're learning how to follow Jesus. And the world is learning how to follow his own heart and his own mind. So there's going to be opposition. And Jesus knows this. So it tells us here in John chapter 16, verse 1, these things that are spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Offense is going to come simply because we love Jesus. Offense is going to come 
Simply because we're seeking to do the will of God. Offense is going to come because we are in total, again, opposition to the things of this world and the way of this world. Because we're following Christ. And Christ is in total opposition. We're not oppositional just to be oppositional. But that is going to come to pass within our homes and on our jobs and in our schools and in our neighborhoods, as we're following Christ, we're going to go against the grain of the world. The world is going to persecute us. People of the world persecute people of faith who are following Christ, who are walking in repentance and belief. And so Jesus is preparing them because we know what's going on here. We know that they have just had the supper, the last supper, they had been walking with Jesus for three years doing this public ministry, comforted by Jesus, encouraged by Jesus. They've seen him in action, and he proved that he was God. They heard his words, and his words proved that he was God. And now he's about to leave them. And he's encouraging them. In John chapter 15, he said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch of me that bear not fruit, he taketh away. But every branch that bear fruit, he purges it and bring forth more fruit. And he tells them, now you are clean through the words without spoken unto you. He tells them in John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. Because they're in a fearful state right now. They're going through a lot of things right now. Jesus told them after supper, he's going to leave them. Jesus told them after supper, when is he going to betray me? Jesus told him after supper, I'm going to go somewhere and you don't know where I'm going. Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me before the cock crows. So many things are going on. Who's going to protect them now? Who's going to love them like Jesus did? Who's going to protect them like Jesus did? Who's going to provide like Jesus did? This is truly God and truly man. And they've seen him and they know him. And now their hearts are troubled and their hearts are fearful. But Jesus is encouraging their hearts. And he let them know in John 14 and 2, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. There's so many encouraging things that Jesus is giving them right now because he knows what they're about to face. And he knows it's going to be difficult for him. But he knows that God is going to keep his people. And he knows that God is going to continue to encourage his people. And he knows that God is going to continue to be connected to his people. Why? Because God did not bring them that far to leave them. God has a plan. He's always had a plan. In Genesis, he told them, hey, of all the trees in the midst of the garden, you may eat freely. Of all the trees of the garden, you may eat freely, but the one in the midst of the garden, don't eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you should surely die. And God is sovereign. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knew that man would fail. And from the foundation of the world, he said that Jesus will be the lamb slain. God has always had a plan. And he told him, he said, hey, I'm going to tell you now. In the garden, he told him after they had sinned, he said, I'm going to put enmity. I'm going to put friction, strife between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. But the seed of the woman shall crush 
the head of the seed of the serpent. And so it's coming to pass before our very eyes here in John chapter 14, what the father had told him from the beginning, what God explained him from the beginning is coming to pass. Abraham looked to that day. David looked to that day. Noah looked to that day. Moses looked to that day. Many prophets and people of God looked to see that day and we've seen it. No, no, we weren't there. But we believe what the word of God says. And we receive it by faith. We've seen the lamb slain for the foundation of the world. We've seen the one who's truly God and truly man. Truly God. And truly man, truly man, because it had to be a kinsman, a redeemer. It had to be a man. It couldn't be a chicken. It could be a bird. It couldn't be a horse. It had to be a man because the first Adam brought sin into the world. So we needed another Adam to cleanse us. But he had to be God because only God's blood can truly do the work that needed to be done. Truly God and truly man. And Jesus encouraging them. With all these things, he tells them in John 16 and 1, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Even today, we know that there are many fears that we're facing. Within our families, there's offense. Upon a job, there are offenses. Within the community, there are offenses. There are many things that we're facing, but as we trust in Christ, he's comforting our hearts. As we trust in Christ, his plan is being fulfilled in us. What is his plan? What Jesus told him. In John 15, he said, abide in me and I in you. This is John 15, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. And explain, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringing forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Although he's going away, he's preparing them. He's encouraging them. He's giving them instruction. He's giving them encouragement. He's giving them the layout, the blueprint of how things are going to work going forward. He tells, us, he tells them in John 15 and 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. There's, there's so much comfort in that. Think about it. Have you ever decided to make a purchase, but then you changed your mind for whatever reason? Have you ever decided to do something, but you weren't able to follow through, and so you did something else? That's not God. If he chose you, he can keep you. If he chose you, he can lead you. If he told you, he can direct you. If he told you, he can protect you. You have not chosen him, but he's chosen you. What value does that add to us? Does it say about us that God has chosen us? Oh, how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. He chose us. See, if we choose him, how many times, if it were possible, have you thought about giving up on God? How many times have you been faced with obstacles? And if it was up to you, man, you know what? You know how people say it? Hey, I ain't Jesus. <laughs> Let them do that. I ain't nothing to Jesus. Oh, I'm going to put my religion down. 
for a second. I'm going to pick it back up, but I'm going to put it down for a second. But God chose us. We didn't chose him. He's not going to change his mind. He's able to keep us. He's able to lead us and guide us. He's able to keep us through all our trials, all the fears, all the words. He's able to keep us. In John 16, verse 1, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Think about it. When you know what's coming, you're more able to endure. When you know that opposition is coming, when you know how opposition is coming, you're more likely to be able to withstand. God does not want us taken by surprise. Now, you may not know how the opposition is coming. You may not know the exact day and the exact hour and how the test is going to be, but you know you're going to be tested. You know it's coming. Praise God, we have an advocate with the Father. If we fall short, if we sin, praise God that we have an intercessor who's before the throne of God. Praise God. How can we apply this scripture to our life when Jesus said these things are spoken unto you that you should not be offended? Rejoice in the Lord. God is taking care of us. God has gone before us and he's explained what's up ahead. Again, we don't have dates and we don't have times. And we don't know exactly how, but we know that God's going to keep us in the midst of the trials. We can see, look at how God kept Daniel when he was tempted and he was tried even in the midst of the lion's den. Look at how God kept Noah even when he had sinned. He was covered. Even David, when he went up against Goliath. Moses, in front of the Red Sea, God parted the waters. God is able to keep us. And these things he's spoken to us, so that we wouldn't be offended. He told us that the world is going to hate us. So that when it happened, okay, Jesus said this was coming. He told us that people of the world will be an enmity and strife and be against and persecute the people of God. So when it happens, yes, it hurts. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, it's fearful. We're betrayed. We've been hurt. Depending on how close a person is. But Jesus told us it would come. He said, if you suffer with me, you also reign with me. He said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself. So self-denial is something that the Christian, the believer has to endure. Denying yourself. So when God denies what you want, and when God denies your timing, and when God allows things to be oppositional to what you want, that's part of the plan. Deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. Let's rejoice that he's let us know ahead of time that opposition is going to come. The world is going to hate you, but I'm going to be with you. He's let us know ahead of time that we're going to abide in him and he's going to abide in us and we can ask what we will and believe that we'll have it and we'll receive it. He's let us know that he's with us. He'll never forsake us. That he prayed to the Father and the Father gives us the Holy Spirit and we got the Son and we got the Spirit and we got the Father. Greater is he within us than he is in the world. Hallelujah. But those of us who are not trusted in Christ, those of us who aren't walking in repentance unto salvation, those of us who are keeping a tally mark, of how good we are and 
how successful we are and how much we're pleasing God and we want our good to outweigh our bad. Those of us who are not trusting the Lord with all of our heart and we're leaning to our own understanding, the only thing we have to look forward to is total separation from God, eternal separation from God. But right now, the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. Be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. Repent of your sins. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent unto salvation. The Holy Spirit is calling and gripping your heart right now. Call upon his name today. Let, a, not, let not another day go by that you hadn't asked God, that you hadn't cried out to God, that you hadn't sought the Lord in repentance and belief. Because if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. Hallelujah. Today could be the day for you. But those of us who have that hope, because we're not trusting in ourselves, those of us who have that hope because we trust in what Christ did, those of us who have that hope because we're living a life of repentance unto righteousness, we can rejoice because even though it seems like we're alone, we're never alone. Even though we're facing hell on earth at times, God is with us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would grace us, God, to be able to receive and to know, Heavenly Father, that you're with us. Lord, to be encouraged in our hearts that as we're facing different fears and facing different doubts and facing different circumstances, grace us, Heavenly Father. To continue to call upon your name. Gracious to notice you'll keep us. You, we, we have not chosen you, but you've chosen us. And you're able to keep us. And God, opposition is coming and all these things. Gracious, Lord God, to be strong in you and the power of your might. But those of us who don't know you, those of us who aren't trusting in you in repentance unto the righteousness, Lord, show us what it means to do that. Show us that we are in need of a Savior. And Lord, grace us, even according to your will, to repent unto righteousness, unto holiness. Repent and trust in Christ. That we will learn to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. That we will learn, Lord God, what it means to truly be a disciple, be a son of God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We pray that for the rest of this day, you would grace us to be comforted with the fact that you're with us. Grace us for the rest of this day to be comforted with the fact, Lord God, that no matter what we're dealing with, you're more than conquerors in us. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich because of what the Lord has done. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, brother, brother. To God be the glory.